Hey, and welcome to the How to Talk to Girls podcast. This is your host, Trip from tripadvice.com, and I got a great interview for you today. This is really, really cool stuff and something really different, something, uh, an area where I haven't really gone down too far in, and it's this idea of dominance, but also in the realm of BDSM. But even if you're not interested in BDSM, there's so much to learn here because we talk about how to be a more dominant male inside and outside of the bedroom and all the way to the point where you might actually be a dom. And that's something you'll learn more about as you listen to this interview. But basically, I interview one of the top experts in the BDSM realm, and he really knows his stuff when it comes to cultivating your own inner dominance. His name is Master Arcane from the Crow Academy. And if you want to check out more from him, you can go to crowacademy.com. He's got some great, great information to learn about how to be more dominant inside, outside the bedroom, but also mainly in the BDSM realm. And this is an interview that I think you're going to learn a ton from because I do talk about dominance a lot and how it is something that is very attractive to women. So check this out. This is my interview with Master Arcane. Hello, Master Arcane. How are you? Very, very good. It's a beautiful day. Yes. Well, I'm excited to have you on the podcast, and we're going to be going over some really cool information today that I think a lot of guys are going to benefit from. So thank you for being here and sharing some of this wisdom. Yeah, my pleasure. It's uh, something I enjoy doing very much is teaching people about BDSM and domination and submission and dispelling a lot of the myths that are out there. Cool, cool. So before we get into everything, because I know there's a lot of cool stuff to cover, maybe you can give us a little background about how you got into this and how you learned all this stuff. Yeah, I was fortunate, you might say, that when I was about five years old, I was the only little boy on a school, a street full of little girls. And so all of our childhood games, about 75% of my childhood games uh, tended to involve me having to play both the hero and the villain in these role play games. And I found at that time, for whatever reason, that when I would kidnap the damsel in distress and tie her up, I my little child brain would sit there and say, well, I don't have to play the hero right away. And so this sort of turned into an aspect of my life that has stayed with me forever since then. Uh, My very first girlfriend, she actually came out to me first that she was into this as well from the submissive side. And it's pretty much been my entire adult life. Wow. Okay. Well, we can definitely call you an expert then because you've been doing this for a very long time. How many years would you say? How many years have I been doing this? Mm -hmm. Uh, Decades, multiple decades. Unbelievable. Very cool. Well, one thing I definitely wanted to talk about today you know, this idea of BDSM and and dominance, and we're going to be talking a lot about dominance. You know, I know that there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to be listening who are not necessarily into BDSM. Now, I want to cover that for sure, but, you know, I think we're getting a little guy, some guys in here who will be interested in it and interested to learn about it, but also a handful of guys who are not really interested in entering that world. But I think there's still some really cool information and stuff that you can teach that still help those guys who are not interested in maybe going all the way into the BDSM category, but interested in maybe being more dominant in the bedroom or taking some of those concepts from the BDSM world into their sex life. So is that something we can go over today? 
Yeah, in fact, that's a really good place to start because one of the biggest misconceptions about BDSM is this all or nothing idea, which is completely false. There's every imaginable level of participation from nothing more than spanking your partner at the very least in bed as a kind of foreplay all the way through to what I do, which is live a 24-7 dominant submissive lifestyle with all of the toys and the tools and the trappings. There's every level in between. It's this enormous spectrum. One of the things that I do enjoy teaching guys like you're describing is how culturing your own inner dominance, learning what it means to be a good dominant, uh, differentiating that from say your boss in the cubicle hierarchy who has dominance over you because that's part of the workplace structure has nothing to do with sensual and sexual dominance, kinky dominance, fetish dominance. And so learning even what it means to embrace dominance from the sexy, sexual, sensual, fetish side of the coin, that alone can help a man learn to embrace being a little more of a man. It gets very much into the, uh, if you know the book, The Way of the Superior Man, he talks about embracing what it means to be a man, but doing it in a very sexy, very attractive kind of way. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So where do you think guys can begin with this? Because this is such a big concept. So where do you think we can start? Okay, so step one in understanding what it means to be a dominant in the best possible definition thereof. So separating it from uh, anytime you think of a dominant, uh, like I said, in the workplace, someone who's a dickhead, uh, someone who's annoying, someone who's a control freak, pushing all of that aside permanently if possible, and really considering domination as a form of caretaker, domination as a form of taking on the responsibility for another person, that's huge. Domination as a form of commanding and or guiding from a position of wanting to see the other person succeed. Because if you look at the common thread through those three things, the it's coming from more of a heart space, if you will, not getting all mushy, but just coming from a place of wanting to be the good person, wanting to put on good energy while being the commanding person. So that alone, because there's a lot of guys I've met, I, I've done work with uh, various uh, men's dating coaches and whatnot, uh, help them with seminars. And so I understand that side of the coin very much of men who want to be better with women. And one of the common threads is this fear that if they are more dominant, that somehow that puts them in the same bucket as the dickhead. And so what I would like to teach your audience is that you can absolutely be dominant and be the good person at the same time. In fact, that's critical if you want to pursue this path. Uh, people who come into the fetish world deeply, who want to be a dominant but can't get rid of the dickhead side, they actually end up having the biggest problem. And they're actually the ones who, uh, women in the kinky scene, in the fetish scene, are attracted towards the kind, caring dominant. Uh, the dominant, the guy who comes in there and says like, well, I'm a dominant and I'm going to tell you what to do and you're just going to do it, right, bitch? Or down on your knees, bitch, is the, the classic you know, email message that these girls get sent online or whatever. And they don't react well. 
they absolutely do not react well. So that would be a good starting place is understanding that you can be the good guy. You can be the dominant and be the hero at the same time. It doesn't mean you can't get kinky and fun and have role play games where you get to be the villain. That's a lot of fun, too. But the place you're coming from when you're exploring your own dominance, when you're building that confidence with being the one in control comes from a good place. I like that. I liked how we destroyed that myth there, too, because I think that's very common because dominance could seem to guys like you're being a dick, like you're being an asshole just because you're the one in charge. And I think a lot of a lot of people, myself included, for many years, you know, when I was younger, would think that that type of person is someone who is bad or who is mean just because they're in charge. You know, I also think maybe we get that from our dads. You know, it's like we grew up and and you know, if we had a father around, he was probably the more dominant figure who was telling us what to do and yelling at us because he was disciplining us as we're kids, which is you know, which is normal. But then you grow up thinking like, oh, doing that or being in control or being dominant or being in charge is something that is uh, wrong or or mean, right? And let's step forward with that, actually, because in the current climate that we live in, socio-political climate, there has been perpetuated a little bit of a false notion. And I say false from my perspective and my experience that to be a man and to be dominant is somehow now stigmatized. And I'm very much for uh, all forms of good two-way communication between any gender combination you can imagine. And so one of the things that I've come up against is sort of a, a new myth, if you will, is that to be a dominant male or to cultivate your own inner dominance, to, go about, to cultivate your own desire to, to be in a more positive controlling position somehow makes you misogynist and that's nonsense that's absolute nonsense that if you're doing this from the right place the females upon whom you share this energy with their consent of course are going to love the guy for it it's good it, it, it will it will turn them on through the roof even if it's just the energy even if you never take it to the toy use and that level just being able to manifest that energy is really hot to a lot of women. But again, it comes from the right place. How do you think or what do you think is a, is a good way to communicate this with a girl or should you not and should you just be dominant? And again, I'm talking about more on the beginning uh, lighter side of the spectrum of BDSM where you know maybe you're not you know doing role play or, or have a lot of toys involved. Um, or props, but instead you're just being more controlling in the bedroom. Do you think it's something that a guy should just should just do, or should he communicate with her? And if so, how would you do that? Um, one of my favorite terms that I gained from working with the the dating coaches who I know is the concept of ranging, which is that when you're first meeting the girl, when you're first playing with her, when you're first in the bedroom with her, uh, exercising a little bit. It's a gradient. It's not an on-off switch. There's a, a degree and then a degree more, then a degree more. And you listen to her body language. You watch her the little signals of whether or not she's acting like she's receiving this energy positively or if it's making her back off a little bit. And you adjust accordingly. So, for example, uh, let's say uh, you know, now one of the wonderful things we have in 2017 is 
there's, you know, once upon a time, online dating was all stigmatized and weird. Now everybody's doing it. And the nice thing about online dating, for example, is that you get to know a lot about the person. Hopefully they're honest. You get to know a lot about them ahead of time. So let's say you meet somebody and you meet them for coffee, first date kind of thing. Uh, the very old traditional, let me, the man, order the coffee. That is, it's a tiny thing. Um, you're sitting at the table. You taking control of the conversation a little bit, not pushy. Taking control of the conversation, asking the questions, but also, of course, as we all know from good communication skills, you have to listen to and taking her answers, her responses and steering it into positive, fun, funny directions. So being that kind of guide of the energy, being the guide of the subtle, if you know what I mean, that's a good way to start to, to get used to this idea of, you know, you are you're at the rudder. And it's okay for you to steal the sh to, st to steer the ship. If you're steering the ship and you get the sense that she wants to ask questions and she wants to take charge, um, it's okay to like sit back, let her do that, because at that point she's now the one aggressively pursuing you. So that's that's good. But to be able to reciprocate that, to be able to give it back, the the one thing you wouldn't want to do is have her sitting there quietly waiting for you to ask a question or guide the conversation to steer the ship and not be able to step up and just simply grab the rudder and start steering. So it's that, that droplet of confidence goes a long, long way. That ability to tell yourself, yes, it's okay if I do this goes a very long way. And then from there, are you basically gauging her reaction and seeing how she responds to that? Exactly. Exactly. That comes back to uh, one of the things I love about domination, submission, and BDSM is you become very, very good at, at reading a person's both body language, verbal responses, uh, subtle responses, overt responses. And it's the same thing in just casual conversation. You can pick up subtle cues more and more easily the more you do this. Now, from there, that's, that's the, the first date kind of scenario. There are definite ways for people to get involved with BDSM to take it up a notch. And like I said, that ranges from very light to as intense as two people want to go. Uh, of course, the, the one thing I want to say again is if you're going to pursue this, you have to be as dominant. You have to be very comfortable with taking the responsibility for the other person's well-being. And from there, it's pretty wide open as long as there's consent. That's really consent safe. Uh, these are the key concepts. What do you mean by taking care of the person's, person's well-being? What do you mean by that? Well, let's just be straight up and obvious about it. Uh, if this girl says, I want you to tie me to the bed. Now, at that point, uh, it, you know, in some unimaginable worst case scenario, uh, a fire breaks out in the apartment next door. And you now have to be the one to say, okay, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to be ready that the, uh, you know, something to cut the rope is nearby. It's handy. Uh, and that that's, that's way over the top on a more subtle level. You have to know how to tie ropes properly. If you haven't taken the time to learn how to tie a knot so that it's not going to get any tighter. Well, you know, in the heat of passion, people have all kinds of adrenaline pour into the bloodstream. And when adrenaline is in the bloodstream, 
uh, her responses, her thresholds for pain can turn into thresholds of pleasure. But let's say she's struggling and pulling and you're both super turned on and you forget to kind of check the ropes or, or grab her hands and see if her hands are much colder than her forearm or to see if her hands are turning purple because you didn't tie the right knot. So in that case, the responsibility of the dominant is to cultivate the skills to ensure the safety of this person who is putting themselves in your hand. Right. There's, there's a lot of responsibility in this activity because it's, it can get pretty intense and it can go, it can go to potentially uh, dangerous places. So there has to be really good um, awareness of the person who's being dominant is what I'm gathering. There does. And another way that parallels even a vanilla dating situation is the dominant, the one in control, has to be willing to step up and maybe ask the tough questions. Whenever I have a new play partner, I always very straightforwardly say something as simple as, do you have any allergies I should know about before we play? I don't want to tie this girl up and blindfold her and put a strawberry in her mouth only to find out she's deathly allergic to strawberries. That would be very bad. It's my responsibility to ask those questions. Yes, you could equally argue that the submissive has a responsibility to be very open and upfront as well. But the dominant, because you're the dominant, you have to have that 51% more responsibility always. And what do you think is a good way to communicate when you are entering this, this realm, even if it is more on the vanilla end of things? Because you, you say that good communication is really key. So maybe tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. Well, for one... Uh, being comfortable enough with yourself to be honest about what you can and cannot do. If you're talking about BDSM in general, uh, it's very important to represent yourself accurately when it comes to this world. If someone walks into a BDSM club, for example, and says, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a dominant and I've had 10 years of experience. And really the truth is they read 50 shades of gray, which by the way, is the worst book you could possibly imagine if you want to think of it as any sort of guide to what this world is about. It is not. It's horrible. Good to know. Anyhow, <laughs> very bad. Um, I could go on on that one forever. But anyhow, the point being is that you, you, if you misrepresent yourself like that, then a submissive who has been in the scene for a while is going to spot that person from a mile away. It's not going to work. And the person who's, who's lying and faking it is going to experience failure. So it's much better much better, a million times better to go into the same situation and say, hey, I'm brand new to this. I'm still learning how to use these toys. You know, how about you? Where are you with this whole thing? Uh, one of my long-term partners, that's exactly how we met. We met at a party. We were introduced by a mutual friend. And after talking for a few minutes, hi, how are you? What's your name? It went straight into, so what are you into? And she said, I'm a submissive. I'm into bondage. And I said, that's awesome. I'm a dominant. I'm an into bondage. And next thing you know, we're playing and a long-term relationship developed out of that. So the ability to represent yourself accurately is it, it should be easy for the person. You should be okay saying, I do know this. I don't know how to do that. The most important thing is your enthusiasm. I and mean, we've all learned that having good energy and decent enthusiasm is really a good way to carry an introductory conversation. You don't have to be over the top. Uh, you definitely don't want to brag. Bragging is, I don't think in any social circle is considered to be a virtue, but it's okay to represent yourself. If someone says, how long are you doing this? And you say, yeah, you know, I started when I was five years old and you can just leave it there. 
And then if they say, if they don't care, they won't ask. And if they do care, they'll say, what do you mean by that? And then you can tell the story. Uh, it's good to be a bit of a storyteller. That's normal social interaction, dating interaction. Um, and from there, uh, you, you learn to read body language. It's not hard. It's really not hard. That's the thing I also saw when I was working with the dating coaches is there's a lot of people out there who think reading body language is difficult. It's really not. And in fact, when you get into BDSM, the more you get into it, the more you'll learn to very clearly tell when, uh, let's say the sting of a whip makes the person pull away a little bit. Sting of a whip makes the person, you know, give you a safe word. Uh, I don't know if you know what safe words are, but we can talk about that too if you want. It's very quick crystal clear communication of, hey, that was a little too much or a lot too much as the case may be. Um, or their body language might do the, the, that wonderful, fun thing where the sting of the whip makes them push their body towards you, which is their body clearly saying, more please. So you learn to, to read subtle communication. There's a lot of good books on reading body language too. It's all, all worthwhile. Um, you also learn to become a better listener. You learn to hear the person saying, uh, well, I'm sort of curious about this. Well, the corners of their mouth go up and they smile and they kind of get that look of like they're shy and they're a little nervous about having admitted that to you. And next thing you know, the conversation begins and you talk about it. Uh, you yourself learn to guide a conversation to get good information about this person without being too pushy. That's extremely useful. You learn about the give and take of conversation. And the reason for this, by the way, is because the world of BDSM and domination and submission, people who are into this, we push the envelope farther than our vanilla counterparts. Now, really quickly, the word vanilla is not derogatory. It just means not kinky. So people who are into just purely vanilla sex, it's very common for those kinds of interactions to say, yeah, we'll talk about what we need to talk about or in a relationship. They talk about something once in a while, something bothers them, they don't talk about it, they hold it inside and whatever else happens. But in the world of BDSM and DS, because we push the envelope farther physically, we push it farther psychologically, it's very exciting. It's almost like participating in an extreme sport sometimes. Because we do all that, we have to, we have to embrace communication very deeply. We have to talk about the play, how it went. We have to debrief and find out what was the best parts of the scene? If there's anything else the person absolutely wants to do again, that's super important. If you pulled out a new toy on somebody and she loved it, maybe she's too shy to talk about it. Again, the dominant, it's your responsibility to lead that communication and say, what was your favorite part of the scene? And she says, well, when you pulled out that wooden paddle, I never knew I would like something like that so much. And again, you make a mental note of that and it flows, it flows and flows and flows and flows. So communication is almost pursued like the holy grail of the whole experience. So pursuing BDSM and DS, because you have to become a better communicator, will make you a better communicator on many other levels as well. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can definitely take communication. I mean, this is, this is a difficult communication to have, I would say, for most people. So if you're able to have communication in this realm, I'm sure it's going to definitely you know, parallel a lot of other realms. So that's, yeah, that's definitely very helpful. Now, I want to take a little bit of a step back, something I wanted to talk about in the beginning. Maybe let's talk about why 
most women like to be dominated. You said earlier most women like to be dominated in any sense, whether it be from more towards the vanilla side all the way to the you know super kinky side. Why do you think it is, and what, why do you think it's important that, that guys learn about this, even if they're not going to well, be getting into hardcore BDSM? Right. Just to be absolutely clear, I would not jump to uh, – it's a little bit of a uh, – uh, what I said to clarify what I think you might have heard is that I'm not saying that most women want to be dominated. What I am saying is that the, the number of women who thoroughly enjoy this flies in the face of alternative propaganda that tries to make us believe that men in 2017 cannot do this or else we're suddenly misogynist. So that perception, that alternative propaganda, <clears throat> that's absolutely incorrect. What you will find is that there are plenty, so I wouldn't say most, but I'd say plenty, and that's a capital P, plenty, of women who find this to be very hot. Uh, quick fun statistic for you. Even though I don't like Fifty Shades of Grey at all, nonetheless, one out of every 37 literate adults over the age of 18 on earth has obtained a copy of that book. That's pure statistics. You can, you can look it up and crunch the numbers. One out of every 37 literate adults over the age of 18. Even women who are highly educated, highly politically aware, who know that the writing in this book is juvenile, will still tell you how much they got turned on reading the book. So that is a statement of how popular sexual, sensual, playful dominance really is. These women might leave the bedroom and be, go back to being the CEO of a corporation. But privately, that turn on, I think it's something very primal. It goes back to sort of that, that fun caveman mentality of the man is the hyper alpha and the female is, is the, the mate pursued, uh, almost a, a hunting and prey game. So there's, there's no actual real harmful aggression at all. But the game of playing it is very hot. And this is a very, very, very popular fantasy with women. If yeah. you then take, yeah, if you then take this into uh, women appreciating a man who steps up, this is true. Now, this is, this is not, in my opinion, to be pushed to the point of having the female uh, make it into uh, a make or break if you're not out there being the super alpha. I don't feel you need to be the super alpha. Let the super alphas be the super alpha. What I mean by that is the guys who are so, fi uh, so high up the, the food chain, if you will, that they can do this and, and work their own level of that. But the average guy in the street, being alpha, being dominant, stepping up, means simply being comfortable in your own skin, being comfortable with your personality, knowing that you're working as a self-improvement alone is an alpha quality. Wanting to be better is an alpha quality. Wanting to be better, anything, you know, taking care of your body, wanting to have a healthy body. You don't have to have the, the, a, a nine pack as, you know, Lego Batman described it, but being able to let's say just for the sake of having good stamina in the bedroom, it's worthwhile. And when the female sees the man improving himself 
or being of that mindset, when the female sees the man being able to step up, when the female sees the man uh, being able to have the, a soft hand of guidance, a soft hand of control, that can be very fulfilling. And I think that is because, and I think this may be the main answer you're looking for, I think that's because it triggers a million-year-old genetic responses, hard-coded responses that this man potentially could be my protector. This man potentially could be a good provider, even if you have no intention of you know, having children with this woman. We're talking about hard-coded responses in the DNA that have nothing to do with the conscious mind. Perhaps the female might think these kinds of things, but it's that perception that this man could be her personal alpha. Again, doesn't have to be the alpha of the community, but it could be her personal alpha. And it's subtle, soft, happy, positive energy. Very attractive to women. I yeah. think any women, you know, you, yeah, I'm sure you know from your own experience. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, I mean, some of the, some of the things that we're talking about here is the, this is what sparks attraction. You know, when a woman can, can sense that masculinity and that alpha, as we're calling it. And you know what I really like that you said there? Something actually I've never really heard of before, but it makes perfect sense. It's really cool. You said, you're basically saying this one idea of a male who is trying to consistently improve himself is a very masculine and alpha trait. And I never really thought about that concept, but wow, that is so true. It's, you know, someone who's trying to become stronger. And I don't just mean something like working out, but mentally stronger and physically stronger. Just the whole concept of a, of a guy who's taking care of himself beyond is something that is very attractive to women because he is furthering himself in becoming a better provider for uh, her emotionally and, uh, and to be there for her to make her feel safe. Is that what I'm kind exactly. of getting? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I teach my students regularly that at the Crow Academy, there's a saying, which is that there is absolutely no upper limit to how much a person can improve themselves in some way every single day. So every single day that you wake up, you can do something for your mind, for your body, for your spirit, whatever. You can do something to make yourself one drop better on something. Maybe you finish a poem that you started writing. You've just completed something. Every time you complete a project, one drop better. Maybe it's just getting to the gym when you're feeling lazy. You've made yourself one muscle fiber better, you're one muscle fiber better. So there's no upper limit, it's an endless process. We're all endless students, myself, endless student. I'm still happy to learn new things every single day. There's always that, you, that attitude that you can do this every single day. And that is part of what we're talking about, that that wanting to improve yourself, that forward momentum, um, you might end up being, the, the male who does this might end up being the one to inspire a female who needs that kind of energy around her. And that's another level of attraction right there, that you become the guy who is doing things. And it doesn't have to be, again, it doesn't have to be a giant project. It doesn't have to be you're, you're building your own corporation. It can be something as simple as maybe it's a hobby that you're passionate about, but you really do it. You don't just sit there and talk about it. And that alone, it can be that forward momentum that is very attractive. 
in a sense, we're still talking about dominance here. This is dominance. I see that as dominance because you're the one who's taking action and you're in control. You're more uh, proactive than you are reactive. I think a lot of guys let life happen to them and kind of just, you know, go through the motions. Other well, there's than a the very other guy that you're talking about that's taking action and actually doing. Exactly. There's a there's a very important expression that again, uh, I like all of my students to really absorb if they want to be dominant, and that is that you first have to master yourself before you can master others. So if I'm going to be some girl's master, I can't be slacking off myself. That does not work. I promise you that does not work. That leads to the dissolution of the relationship. You want to be working on yourself in any way, like we just described. You want to be working on yourself twice as hard as you're working on another person. So if I'm giving my partner guidance and command as her master, uh, telling her that she needs to do this or work on this project or something, or, you know, even fun and playfully some sort of, you know, service or game that we're playing. Nonetheless, I have to be working on myself and demanding my own perfection or experience or advancement twice as much as I would ever demand it from a partner. And again, that becomes attractive. I love it. That's great. Let's let's keep moving forward. Now I want to step into more um, more for guys to learn about if they are interested in taking BDSM to the next level. You know, it's not just uh, you know more towards the vanilla spectrum of or end of the spectrum of of some spanking and some choking, but we're really getting into it. Where would a guy start with that? How would he uh, begin looking for information on this or classes or or, or anything. Where does where does a guy start who wants to learn more about this world and potentially enter it? Besides, of course, this podcast episode. Well, uh, let me start with a couple of shameless plugs. Uh, if they really want to get their feet, their toes wet in a very, very mellow way, I have six free videos on YouTube. If they just look up Master Arcane Crow, They'll see at the six-part series, which is a very, very, very light entrance into this. And actually, again, those uh, videos were created for an audience very much like your audience. After that, I have the first book from the Crow Academy, Igniting the Fire, The Art of Romantic Submission. It's an ebook form right now, but we're producing a beautiful leather-bound hardback coffee table edition that's going to be out in the next few months. And that is a full, it's a 372 page book full of photos. It's a, it's a how to for domination and submission from A through Z and very much takes you inside the mind frame of the submissive as well, which is extremely useful to people wanting to learn dominance. So they understand the other side, as far as classes, um, one of the nice things about 2017 is that in almost every major city in the Western world. You can find, I mean, America, Europe, Canada, et cetera, you can find a BDSM club or a BDSM society. For example, in Los Angeles, you have the Threshold Society that does classes for absolute beginners. Uh, in San Francisco, you have the Janus Society, which does the same thing. Um, so if they go online or they go to, say, a website like FetLife or something like that, they can look up their geographic location and maybe just do the word BDSM and add their zip code in there and see what comes up. 
there's a lot of people who want to teach this. Now, the, the important thing there is finding somebody who's reputable and reliable. Usually it's going to be a society or a group or a club or a facility that holds classes now and then. Um, I can't speak positively enough about taking classes. I myself, uh, I really got into the whole hardcore BDSM aspect when I was living in Europe in the 90s. And I then came back to America. I was living in San Francisco at the time. And I found the Society of Janus. And without reservation, the classes were very cheap, by the way, without reservation for two years, I took every single weekly class that they offered. And there was also a good BDSM club there that was a lot of fun. And I went there all the time. So then I'm not only taking classes, but I'm meeting people who are also into this and they could show me a thing or I'm watching, just watching someone else do a scene right there. And then when they're done, it's for, you, you never interrupt somebody who's actually doing a scene, who's actually in the middle of playing with their partner. But when they're done, you walk up to them, you say, hey, that was a really strange looking device or toy you used there. Where'd you learn how to do that? What is it? And can I see it? And most of the time, if you're polite, most people in the BDSM community are happy to share a little piece of knowledge here, a little piece of knowledge there and whatnot. One very important distinction to make, by the way, when you're talking about this is domination submission is the psychological aspect. It's the, called the power exchange. I don't really like the word power exchange. It's the power transfer aspect. But you'll hear people talk about it like power exchange is what they say a lot. BDSM, actually using the toys, the spanking, the flogging, the bondage, all this kind of stuff, that's often referred to as someone who is a top or a bottom. The top likes using the toys. The bottom likes being on the receiving end of the toys. It's genderless, by the way. And let me just make a quick plug here that when it comes to toy use and all this kind of stuff, there is no one right way to do it, one right way to be it. Um, it's whatever floats your boat. So if you love being on the receiving end of the toys, that makes a person a bottom. If you love using the toys on somebody else, that makes a person a top. It can feel very creative, like painting is how I experience it. If you like a little bit of both, then you're called a switch. And there's every imaginable combination of, of how to do it and who's doing which part and the genders and all kinds of things. But... Once you kind of decide, uh, you, you go in, you explore a little bit, you start to identify what you think you are, and it's perfectly okay. And I really want to emphasize this. It's perfectly okay to enter from one angle, and as you're exploring it, decide you want to do something else. One of my best friends in the world is this amazing dominant in Australia, and he originally started as a male submissive because he wanted to be on the receiving end of the toys, because the toys can often feel like getting a really good massage, to be honest. Um, and then as time went on, he decided he wanted to be a switch, and he started to learn how to use the toys on other people. And as he went further, he found himself in dominance. So, And there's really no right direction. There's no right way to proceed. So whatever works, whatever you start with, it's perfectly okay to change tracks down the road and try something else. And believe me, I've seen every possible change of direction and people doing other things. I had a female come to me who wanted to learn. She, she actually, beautiful, beautiful girl, came to me and said she wanted to be submissive to me. In her work, she had a very dominant personality. And after working with this woman for a little while, I watched as she went from arriving at my apartment at the time you know, kind of like shedding her dominant aura to get out of her work headspace and trying to be submissive to me. Now, I can't recall, it was a long time ago, I can't recall exactly what was her motivation, but as she did this to me, 
as we were working together, over time, she talked about meeting other dominant females. And you could just see her get excited when she talked about these other, and I mean kinky dominant females, like play, like the females were using the whips instead of the men. And she would talk about this. And finally, one day, I, I could see what was going on very clearly. And I had her stand in front of the mirror. And I had her close her eyes and I said, I talked her through this visualization of everything that she loved about submission. And I had her open her eyes and look in the mirror. And then I had her close her eyes again. And I did the same thing for everything she talked about, the kinky, fetish, dominant women who she knew and, and how it made her feel. And I had her open her eyes the second time. And the difference in her posture and the brightness of her spirit, if you want to call it, was dramatic. And I had to turn to her and I said, honey, I know you think submission is right for you. But actually, I think you should pursue dominance because it was so obvious to me that that was going to be a more fulfilling thing, that she had some voice in the back of her head telling her she had to be submissive, that that was going to bring her fulfillment. But, you know, those of us who learn how to read body language, we can see these things. It was graphic. It was very graphic. So the point being is that there are a thousand ways to play with BDSM. There are so many different kinds of toys and so many different kinds of fetishes and kink start with the stuff that is really, really easy to find information about. Start with spanking, learn how to tie some good knots with bondage. Uh, if you want to try it out, if you want to see what it feels like, go to a fetish club, find somebody who looks like they know what they're doing. That's important. And try being on the receiving end. If that's, if you try it, it's like I said, it's like an extreme sport. It's, it's got that fulfillment, excitement, adrenaline, endorphins, you know, never underestimate endorphins. It's nature's best drug by far. And it's produced by your own body. Um, so these are all ways to get started. Um, go out, research it. If you can find classes locally in your local community, that's a wonderful, wonderful way to start. Talk to people who are into it. Uh, there's a lot of websites online, crowacademy.com is more of our general portal. Arcane Advice, my other website, has an entire library of free lessons, articles that people can read, more about domination submission, less about BDSM, less about using the toys. Uh, you might be able to find stuff online. A couple associates of mine called the two Naughty Boys, K-N-O-T-T-Y, like as in tying a knot, naughty. They have done a series of YouTube videos that are free that just show you how to tie simple knots. They're, they're bondage experts in their own right. Fantastic. So, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. So, there's obviously there's so many portals to, uh, to learn this stuff. But, you know, I think anyone who's listening right now and is still with us should definitely check out Master Arcane. Again, that's at crowacademy.com. I'll put that in the episode description. And you should check out his book called Igniting the Fire, the Art of of romantic submission and he's got a YouTube channel. Just type in Master Arcane Crow and you'll find it and a lot of good stuff is there for the newbies to check out if you're just kind of learning about this or just interested in this. So so thank you Master Arcane for coming on and sharing this stuff. This was really just easy easy to learn and also practical in many senses for guys to uh, implement and also communicate with their partner and at the same time go off and, and learn more about it. So thank you for sharing that with us and thanks for being here. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And the one thing I'll, again, I'll leave your audience with is the idea that it is 2017. We live in what's called the post 50 shades of gray era, which means that 
everybody's talking about this. And oh, here's a good, quick, fun tip. If you want to know if somebody else is into BDSM, but you're too shy to bring it up, as silly as this is going to sound, get a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey and leave it out somewhere obvious or put it in your backpack and leave your backpack open so it can be seen. And you will be amazed how that alone can get the conversation started. Beautiful. What a great little tip. Okay. So for you who's listening right now, go get that book, put it on your nightstand and uh, watch the reactions ensue. I love it. Thanks, man. Oh, go ahead. One more thing. Please. Oh, please. What, if, whatever whatever you, you do, got. Yeah. If you do get that book, just be prepared for people to say that the general reaction of the book is that it's horrible, but at least you'll have it there to get the conversation started. I just want to warn people about that. Well, I think the guy should read it. You should read it and, you know, don't take it for face value, but read it and see what the hype is all about and see what's turning on these girls. But just know that it is not the proper way to, uh, to a real introduction on what BDSM actually is. You could actually, from you. Yeah, you could actually look at Fifty Shades of Grey as exactly how not to be a dom. There you go. There you <laughs> there go. You go. That's, that's the uh, other working title, How to Not learn BDSM, how to not be a dom. I like exactly. it. Exactly. Cool. Okie doke. Well, it's a pleasure. And uh, anything else you guys would like to know, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Check them out, crowacademy.com. Thank you. Very welcome.